like I saw this video of like porn and I thought it was you. What? to the Seen and Not Heard podcast. I'm super excited to have you and also to talk about all these topics that you want to cover because they're super interesting topics that we haven't actually gone over in all, you know, four seasons, three seasons of the podcast. So this is awesome. Um, I do want to give yourself, you a chance to introduce yourself just because I want you to give a little bit of backstory for those who are tuning in and listening because I'm not going to be as familiar with you. So could you give us a little background of how you ended up in the industry? Yes. Okay. So my name is Isla Cox. I am 24. I actually just had my birthday on the first. Um, I am a amateur model that like specializes in um, interracial porn as well as solo squirting. Um, I first joined the industry after um, basically being infatuated with it ever since I was 18. And I was like, wow, I really want to, you know, like create porn. Um so then one day I just decided to do it and I made an account on Minivids and I jumped into camming and here we are now. That's awesome. So what, where do you cam currently? I actually stopped camming <laughs> about six months ago and I focused solely on um, just like video content and custom videos as well as like custom audios. Okay. Um, camming was just taking a lot of my time mm-hmm. and I really like to have that like one-on-one interaction with like, you know, like my favorite <laughs> customers that's true time uh camming is super time intensive and people usually overlook that like yeah just log on and make all these tips and it's not it's like an eight hour day which might bring you like two dollars or a thousand dollars you never really know exactly <laughs> it was I really just needed something that was more um predictable yeah. in terms of you know making money because I do do this full time now So I wanted to make sure that, you know, I could take care of myself. (laughs) So you went full-time coming from not even being in the industry within a one-year period? Yes, I went right off the bat. I went into being full-time. So I, you know, took every drop of information that other models were giving and I like soaked it up like a sponge because I really, really wanted to do this. I, I love it. I love everything about it. It's everything I've ever dreamed of and... Sometimes it's not, but it really is. It really does feel like it's like the career for me. I feel very happy doing it. And I definitely um, don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Well, you're so young. You have a long career ahead of you still. I've just turned 30 this year and I feel like I'm dying tomorrow. It's just a thing that happens, I think. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but so you coming into the industry, so starting in webcam, kind of moving to clips and do you have like fan sites and stuff now? Yes. Okay. So I'm on like OnlyFans and I also have my own website, which I'm working on taking payments on. Um, so, you know, I'm just branching out and I just started my own podcast too, where I explore, um, you know, just like the background of amateur porn creation and just kind of give an insider look on porn and my personal life. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's kind of how this started too, because I wanted... I wanted people to hear about adults in living and working in the adult industry from a very intimate side, like as a human and presenting Mm -hmm. it as my experience versus just like, this is how it works. This is how it goes. Because I feel like when you get that personal story behind what we do, it's very hard to ignore the fact that we're human. 
Whereas a lot of the time they want to box us as if we're dirty or slutty or whatever. And that's never or very rarely the case, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. I am. Um, so the first thing I want to kind of discuss is because there's a lot of stereotypes surrounding amateur porn, which is kind of where your niche is. So what do you think people or even the industry neglects to understand about the word amateur or the category niche amateur? I feel like people think the word amateur means something bad. I love branding myself as amateur because I feel very proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel very proud to be in charge of like all of my content and to be editing all of my videos and like coming up with the ideas. Um, I don't know. I just like to be involved in the whole process. And people think that amateur means like poor quality video or like grainy, you know, things that you picture from like, I don't even know, like the 60s, the 70s, like very, very old. But, and that was like professional yeah, <laughs> quality <professional> things. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's but, because amateur usually outsells more of the like polished high end studio production kind of stuff. Definitely. That's, that's something I've experienced in my own because I like to make stuff very pretty porn just because that's what I like to create and edit and yeah. my aesthetic. But it doesn't perform as well as something I shoot that looks more amateur ever. ever. Definitely. It's, I feel like um, I've always been told right, from customers that they really enjoy the like the rawness of it. They like the realness of it. They like to feel like they're right there. So I like to give that experience of like, hey, you know, like this is my couch and you're right here with us. Yep. And this is what you would see if you were here on like a normal day. So I just like yeah. to give that like authenticity. Obviously, I think it's not done every day, but. <laughs> yeah. Especially even in this day and age where everything's so filtered, so smooth. So, you know, I um, I do because I'm like a more polished content creator, just because, like I said, it's my my taste. Mm-hmm. But even when I noticed when I was doing, cause I'm my, most of my career is in premium social and like the fan site side. So yeah. on premium social, obviously Snapchat and stuff, you have filters, obviously you're using right. them. Um, but I didn't notice my sales increased when I stopped using filters on Snapchat, just because it feels more real, you know, or right. probably because when I'm moving, I don't have like eyes on my belly button. <laughs> like, <laughs> that um, so when it comes to amateur and you're saying like, you don't, qualify amateurs like that fuzzy grainy look which I do kind of think of that when I think amateur so what would you define amateur as um I just define amateur as a relaxed um approach to porn so I don't know I would just say amateur it's just kind of like a different feel it's kind of like um if you think of a model you think of like girlfriend experience Mm -hmm. I think of amateur as just another like box to check so amateur just means you know I obviously there's a lot more that goes into it but I like to give my videos the feel that I just set up my camera and I film what's already happening gotcha so to me amateur just means that it's kind of in a different setting and then it's just a little bit more like natural more raw yeah Mm -hmm. okay when you are when you're filming content like this do you even include things like are you in your finished like sellable edit where you're like pressing the play button, like backing from the camera? Is that something you include or no? I actually don't. And it also depends on like clips. So if someone orders like a custom video and they say they want it to be very like raw and real, that's when I edit it a lot less. So in my videos, you will still see like transitions. So you won't see me like changing positions or anything like that. So there is still, you know, that like edit, they're Mm -hmm. still editing (laughs) with it. 
But um, you don't usually see me doing like, you know, normal things like setting up the camera unless um, someone wants that in there. So I noticed that I kind of balanced between um, over editing and like under editing. So I just kind of spent the past like year trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, it's a weird balance. It's a really weird balance because like I do try to have some clips like that so I can kind of bleed into these other niches that I don't particularly I'm not recognized for. And even like the rawness of like a clip where you do leave something like that in, like it's there. But then for me, that's not the the favorite content that I like to, you know, boast about or brag about. I like it. It's cool. But it's just not as beautiful as like something cinematic, in my opinion. Definitely. Um, But again, sales matter. And that sells 10 (laughs) times over my stuff almost every time. Um, Now, what made you gravitate toward amateur versus something more polished? Um, I want to say time. So I um, just don't have a lot of time in my day. So it was kind of, you know, I had enough time to film like a video or two in a day. And if I'm lucky, a solo video, so these are like a couple videos, and then maybe a solo video. And then I just needed a way to put out my content without, um, I don't know, noises in the background or, um, you know, the uglier side of things that no one really wants to like watch. (laughs) So, you know, position changes, um, weird noises, stuff like that. Um, So I just gravitated toward amateur because that was what was easiest for me. So it just gives me, if I make a, yeah, it's also my preference. Um, but definitely a huge thing of it was time. So if I film like a 30 minute video, I can probably get it edited in like a day or two Mm -hmm. versus if I wanted it to look how like polished, um, it would definitely take a lot longer. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Oh, you're fine. Definitely. The other thing too, I want to ask is in terms of your content, do you find that it's more important to you to create and distribute content as opposed to having a finished product. Cause I know a lot of models I talk to, the reason they end up amateur is like, they, they tell me like at the end of the day, it's about how much you can put in the market. So I'm doing a lot of videos and the easiest way to get them out there and flood the space with my mm-hmm. content is to make a lot and don't over edit and keep it simple. Is that something that plays a factor? Honestly, I would say no, because I just, I try to make videos that I'm proud of. So I will not put a video out. Like I still have videos I've been sitting on for like a full year that I'm just like, you know, maybe I'll put this out at some time just because like, I know my fans would like it now, mm-hmm. but I just did not, I just don't like the videos gotcha. at all. So I just try to pick, um, I don't strive for perfection, but there's definitely like, um, things that I need to my videos to meet for me personally so I'm like usually I'll have like my husband test out the videos test Mm -hmm. them out (laughs) and I'm like okay here (laughs) tell me how how long this takes you and then I'll decide if I post it but yeah I think it's really important to go for quality over quantity for me because I mean I am on a lot of free sites Mm -hmm. um on my free sites they probably have about 30 videos but 30 videos and about nine or so months um so it's not like I post like all the time I just kind of post maybe like once every two weeks once a month and I just like to give people a taste of what is going on in my fan sites because that's where I post a lot more frequently 
Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, and when you're filming, are you, you said you talked about solo filming as well. So I'm assuming you do boy, girl or girl, girl or both or. Yeah, I do boy, girl. Um, I have not met another model to make girl, girl content with, but I definitely will at some point. Um, and then I definitely do solo videos just whenever I get like some free time. Um, I will film those, but I noticed that my solo videos also do really well when I do them just because they're kind of like a rare, like a rarity. Okay. Gotcha. So, and then, so something else I know you're passionate about aside from amateur is interracial porn. And I really want to talk yes. about that because it's not a topic we've broached on the podcast yet. So I kind of, I'm not well-versed in this space. I'm, I don't film with any male performers. So all my content is mostly solo or with another girl when it wasn't, you know, COVID. Um, and I have, you know, hooked up with Latino girls and whatever, but I've mm-hmm. never had an interracial, truly interracial scene. So what do you think are the challenges with interracial porn, or at least the challenges a creator faces in our, in our industry at the moment? So I noticed there was a huge spike in views after, um, you know, some of the things that have been said by our former president. Yeah. Um, and not for the reasons that you would think. Shockingly, I got a decent amount of um, positive feedback. But, you know, I also got a lot of negative feedback. From, oh, my God. I also got some negative feedback from people that are very against interracial. So I would say a really big part of interracial is having thick skin. Like, it is a different monster to deal with when it comes to porn creation because you already have people saying you know anything and everything about you for creating porn Mm -hmm. and then I have people attacking me for making interracial content um you know it's very (laughs) your fan base is usually pretty divided you've got those people that don't want that at all you've got the people that are specifically looking for that and so you can't there's no way to come out on top in that situation because you can't please everyone exactly and that's the reason why I to me it's most important I only make what I want to make I will never make anything to please anyone because I've gotten a lot of requests for um, BBC content specifically from the people that are angry that I make um, interracial porn. So I made one video with a like huge dildo um, and it has not sold once, not wow. one time. So this is something that I've been pressured, bullied for, um, cursed out, like anything and everything under the sun. And it's never once been consumed. Wow. So, so my fans like are really... Um, they're supportive of my interracial content. Like my actual fans are very, very happy with the content that I make because they're usually the people specifically seeking that out. Yeah, true, true. You do attract a community based off of almost, well, partially personality, partially look as well, but what you like, because if you're only putting out what you like, you're only going to attract, you know, that fan base, which is nice because you can kind of target who you want to perform for and who's going to give you positive feedback as opposed to constantly kind of swimming upstream um, because that gets super exhausting and there's a lot of hate out there just as much as there is love especially on social and platforms like twitter and stuff definitely I was really surprised actually with the amount of positive feedback that I've gotten because in my personal life um it was not well responded to that I'm in an interracial relationship Mm -hmm. um my family hated it. They absolutely hated it. His family hated it. 
this is we're not they were not supportive um so yeah it was actually it felt like really heartwarming to see the positive comments of people just kind of being like wow this is great like I'm really happy that you guys are like happy together (laughs) that you guys make these videos and they're like this makes me think of like I get a lot of comments where people are saying like this makes you think of me and my wife or this makes you think of like me and like an ex-girlfriend and they're like I love her Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great that's like true. I'm really happy to give that kind of like um nostalgia I'd say a yeah. lot of people experience a lot of nostalgia for my videos with their black partners <laughs> see and that's interesting that you even say that because something else I've noticed too because I had an ex-girlfriend for like the last year or the year 2019 and I filmed with her um and people would watch our content and when they saw our content, they felt like it was just much more authentic and genuine because you have like almost that passion, that chemistry, which completely Definitely. translates on camera. So mm-hmm. like even opposed to like me filming with another girl, it's just not the same quality of performance. It just isn't. So I'm sure that that's a lot of what they're seeing, too, is that you guys are happy and in love. And that's so relatable, you know? Yes. They, I always get comments, especially like I get a lot of messages of people like unlock things that I send out and they're just like, I love this. They're like, I love how real this is or they'll be like the way she's looking at him or like the way he's looking at her and they're like I just this is exactly what I want and I actually have like a pretty decent sized female fan base too because they're like that's what I'm looking for they're like that (laughs) that's what I want there's a there's definitely a niche in the market of porn created for women specifically or even porn that women would want to consume because a lot of adult content is being made well post-covid before covid in studios by men, by male producers, by male headed studios. So we get a very big discrepancy in in the industry of what people would really search for because majorly it's operated by men, consumed by men, at least at a higher rate than as women. So when you have yeah. like a different kind of content that does resonate with women, it kind of creates this really cool atmosphere because you're not just performing for dudes on the internet. You're also setting realistic expectations of sex with females. So that's kind of a cool little byproduct of what you're doing, even if you didn't plan for it. Yes, I actually, I love it. I absolutely love it. Especially because a lot of um, the women that comment, no boundaries, their way that this is my husband. They're not like thirsting after him (laughs) and like the comments. Awesome. But they're like asking what kind of toys I'm using and I'll like give them tips and I'll give them like squirting tips where I'm like, tell me about like your sex life with your partner. I've had like partners like be subscribed to my OnlyFans, like two separate accounts. And they're like, hey, my partner subscribed to you. This is their name. And they'll like talk to me about each other. They're like, I love my partner. Like, how can I do this for them? And I've given like tips on like how to spice up their relationship and it's just like a really cool spot to be in to like help people and have people be like I don't know just like me enough to involve me in their relationship and trust me that I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize that yeah I always try to explain to people especially when you're in a a niche or like a a category a lane I guess of, of adult where you are very fan interacted based, where you're not like producing a scene, putting it up on a tube site and never touching it again or commenting back or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's a different level of intimacy where you really get to know your fans and engage with them. So when you're getting feedback like that, it almost like there's kind of a, a strange border or boundary setting up being set up because you are knowing them, you're knowing about their relationship, which 
a lot of people have a hard time dealing with that boundary. Like you've crossed the boundary. Now you're emotionally cheating or you're giving them right. too much information. Do you ever kind of wrestle with that concept? Like, are you interfering? Are you not? Well, I usually talk to the woman more frequently. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot more friendly um, with the woman. I personally, I'm pansexual. I prefer women to men. I, my husband just is just the exception. <laughs> and so I'm a lot more friendly with the woman. Like they um, will pick out like outfits together for date night or like lingerie together for the partner, the mm-hmm. other partner. And then I just kind of like don't share that. So I just follow her lead as to what she wants out of the relationship. So sometimes she'll say, you know, like she wants to involve him in like conversation. And that's mm-hmm. when I will talk to him more frequently. But it typically is um, just me interacting with the woman more frequently than the man. And then he just kind of gets, you know, the like the normal <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Okay. And then when people are coming to you for like, as an example, you mentioned just a minute ago, like kind of sex advice and sex tips like that happens to me as well. Even just tips and porn in general, you've got like models and influencers that will ask for, you know, advice or solicit advice. And you have fans who also solicit advice for their personal sex life, or even about if they're curious about getting into the industry. Have you seen any of that? And what are your feelings on it? Hmm. Uh, fans asking to join the industry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my feeling on fans asking to join the industry, I think it's perfectly fine for them mm-hmm. to be interested and wanting to join the industry. Um, it's definitely a glitz and glamour industry. There, it looks very pretty from the mm-hmm. outside, and there's a lot more going on mm-hmm. on the actual inside of creating the content and before we put it out. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I fancy to be very respectful. I feel like when they approach models in regards to joining the industry. So I personally will take a fan seriously if they send a tip with their initial message of just asking, because it really shows you that you respect my time yeah. um, and any model's time in general. Yeah. I feel like it's really important to show them that, hey, you know, I'm serious about this, even if they don't end up joining the industry. Mm-hmm. Just that showing respect, because it's very hard to work in the industry. It's very hard to get known in the industry. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to maintain being relevant. Yeah. In the industry. So I feel like it's really important to respect a model's time and the amount of like effort she's put into becoming where she is or where they are. Yeah. Today, because I just think it's crazy to ask someone for advice. The keys to the castle. (laughs) Exactly. And no one has that. No, no. I, uh, I had some fans approach me like the same concepts trying to get into the industry. And if you're not almost, if you're not coming at me with a tip, which, and this is probably going to sound greedy to people listening who aren't industry, you know, people, but it's, it's not so much that as, you know, we are paid a lot of the time. If you have a fan site to unlock someone's direct message or, or, or for them to message you, they're paying for that, that connection, that ability. Um, and so we're having like, you know, hundred messages a day, 200 messages a day can get crazy. So if we're replying to everyone that wants a piece of our soul, it, it, it's not possible. So you do have to weed people out who are serious. Like even when I talk to other models, a lot of the time it's a tip to get their attention and a lot of know I'm serious and I value their time. It's exactly what you said. If you don't have that, it's almost, it's like, it's bad form almost in our, yeah. in our industry. 
because time is money no matter it really is and it's it just doesn't apply to any other industry like no other industry would you walk up to a lawyer and be like hey um what did you do they might tell you where they went to school they mm-hmm. may tell you how they obtain the information. They're not going to walk you through step by step of where, how they got to where they are. So I think it's a really weird assumption that yeah. models would take so much time to walk someone through step by step when realistically they probably didn't have anyone do that for them. Yeah. I mean, that, see, that's interesting too that you bring that up because when I first got in the industry, it would have been end of 2011. So I was like 19 getting into the industry. And again, webcamming is how I started as well. And when I joined, like I didn't have anyone even teaching me the ins and outs of the site. It was like, I'm logging on. I don't know what a private show is. I don't know what a group show is. I don't know what public means. I don't know what I'm allowed to do here. Like I read the wiki, but aside from that, it's anyone's guess. So a lot of the stuff you're even having your fans or your new fans teach you because like, oh, there's a band button. You can kick them out or oh, make me a moderator and I can help you keep count of your tokens and stuff. So there's such a learning curve, especially when you're first joining the industry. And I know you've been been in about a year. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with that initial getting your feet wet? Because there's a lot to learn. So I was very lucky. And I happened to come across Amberle Rothfield's Twitter. (laughs) So I subscribed to her. I subscribed to her AVN stars. And I just got this plethora of like wonderful information (laughs) from a true gem (laughs) in the industry. Um, So I lucked out in terms of that. But before that, I was just like, I was a fish out of water. I had no idea what I was doing. I, you know, I logged into many vids. I talked to their help desk so many times. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, how do I block this region? What What is blocking your region? I was like, what does that do? Why would I do that? Um, trying to figure out my own boundaries with like, you know, interactions with like yeah. people in general. Yes, the fans in general, especially um, in live interactions is kind of hard especially at first because you will get um, a lot of um requests strange requests and not strange as in um you know I don't kink shame I'm very kink friendly you know you can be into what you want to be into um but I definitely have hard limits and I discovered all of them within days yeah of joining That's very true. I think uh, the limit, and, and that kind of almost, be, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but even because I did start at 19, I, I personally don't think people should be able to get into porn until a little older, like 21, when you do have a stronger voice to know your boundaries, because especially in a cam setting or in a fan site setting, you have people reaching out, asking for these crazy things and if in with crazy amounts of money attached a lot of the yes. time. So it's very easy to be manipulated or persuaded into doing something that you're not comfortable doing when you're that young and you haven't found that voice that's really strong to say no, especially as a woman, because, you know, society beats it into you that you need to be polite and accommodating and all of these yes. things. Um, so I think that's really powerful, the whole concept of finding your limits. Um, and Amberly Ruffield is a gem. I did have her on. We talked a lot about many things just as an educator in general. She's incredible. Do highly recommend Amberly Rothfield if you're just starting out to go read her books and reach out and get a consult. She's awesome. Yes. Um, but the, yeah, the, the, the limits is huge. And also, I think what isn't talked about enough is setting the boundary with the fan in terms of like overstepping what should be personal information to you in your personal life and what they can't ask, what they can't ask. Like I do have a lot of people because I try to divide 
my content. So I have this, you know, all my adult stuff. I have fans on show. I have Twitter. I have all that towards my adult market and then, you know, premium snap, whatever. And then I have my mainstream persona, which I have like my YouTube, my podcast. Um, I just got on medium because I love to write. So stuff like that. But on my mainstream, uh, I guess, presence, you're going to see my husband. You're going to see my real life. You're going to see my puppy. Like you get to know me as a human, whereas an adult, I'm not going to talk about that stuff. So I do struggle a little bit because I have fans that go on both sides, which is great. Right. And that's what I want, I want them to convert over to want to know me authentic, authentically, but I do get taken aback a little bit when like a fan on my fan site is like, so you and your husband went to the car show last week. And I'm like, <laughs> that's too close. How do you know that? How do you know all my life? I'm like, oh yeah, I put out a vlog. It's so like catches me off guard. I'm like, who even cares what I do? Like who even watches this? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Have you had any of those experiences where like someone mentioned something that makes it very real for you? Because I get that from now and then. I don't know why it hasn't, I haven't adjusted to that yet. <laughs> I actually have um, had some fans try to discover my location of where I live. I get a lot of messages despite the fact. So this is how I know they're like newer mm. um, fans because these are things that they would know if they were around when I first started camming. Sure. Um but yeah, I definitely get people trying to push the envelope on fantasy to reality. Yes. And it's definitely very hard to walk that line of how to gently put them back into like, hey, this is a fantasy. Um, you know, this is me to an extent. <laughs> but there also is someone else that behind this persona because it's basically I feel like a lot of models personalities are their true personalities. Yeah. Um like filtered. Yeah, like yeah, with like a a nice sparkly coating on top. <laughs> exactly. So it's like you don't get the ugly side of things, you get the pretty pretty side of things and that's the reality that you're presented with. Um so I feel like it's just important for fans to realize when a model is starting to feel uncomfortable and kind of use like their intuition mm-hmm. with that of kind of like a how'd they feel if a random person online was asking them this question yeah yeah that's huge I that's something I, I think I'm always going to struggle with I don't know I just I don't find myself super interesting I put stuff out because like I want to document I want to look back at my life in both sides of it because I want to look back at my porn when I'm not that hot <laughs> my youtube vlogs and like show my kids like look me and dad built this house with our bare hands like look how yeah you know so it's interesting and are you bleeding into mainstream in certain areas too because you have your podcast even though it's adult still kind of is a mainstream podcast yeah so i actually was thinking about starting a youtube channel um good you should definitely do that i I looked at your youtube i was like okay this is very cute i was like i like this (laughs) i saw your like stories i started trying to figure out how to you know like like vanilla my life like vanilla <laughs> like, I was like how do I do this so I don't get kicked off the platform Hard. <laughs> don't show any cleavage <laughs> definitely has things like cut off <laughs> but yeah I've definitely been wanting to branch more into like the vanilla side of things because I do want to like share more of my life with like my fans and also just kind of for myself I just want to look back on things like you said and just be able to like, you know, witness it from a third person point of view because it's different when you're living through it and being yeah. able to look back at your life and like portions of it and to see like how amazing it truly is. Yeah. That's what and I want to do. Are you calm? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so 
obviously all of these things we're talking about, like the adult side of it and even the mainstream side of it, it is so much work. It is so much work. And that is a topic I love to beat into anyone that listens to my podcast is how hard sex workers work, like just in general, on all aspects. An influencer alone is hard work to do both and be adult and then also mainstream is twice the work. So like yes. in terms of how, how many hours you put into what you do or how you manage your time or how you treat your, your sex work as a business, what kind of things stick out to you that you would want someone new coming into the space to kind of know? Uh, I want them to know that it's going to take a lot more time than you thought. Um, I probably worked 80 hours a week when I first started um, from doing live camming to doing custom video requests that I should not have delivered in 24 hours. I should have given myself time to <laughs> at least get ready to yeah. film it and edit it. Um, the custom photo sets and coming up with new ideas and mm-hmm. finding new angles and getting inspiration because you can get a lot of inspiration for porn outside of porn. I feel yeah. like that's really important. Um, so it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of effort. It is going to seem discouraging at mm-hmm. some points in time, especially when you like really, really like a video and you put it out there and no one likes it. That happens a lot, yep. <laughs> but yep. you have to keep going. Um And also just kind of like, you have to be smart in terms of thinking about it like a business. So if you keep putting out content that no one's receiving, that's not being received the way that it should be received, you put a lot of like time and heart and soul into it, you can put your time and heart and soul into things that are actually going to make you money. Because Mm -hmm. if you're in it to make money, then you have to do what is going to make you money without exhausting yourself. So I feel like it's important to balance, like create balance between what you love and what makes you money. Definitely. And that's where I, how I kind of mentioned, like, I'll do the polished stuff because I love it, but I'm still going to put out the other kind of stuff because that's what makes me money. And I'm, we're all here to make money at the end of the day. Can't ignore that factor, you know? So, okay. When you're talking about business, is there anything with your adult business that you feel kind of has set you apart? or that you've done that's made you stand out because you've had success within a year, which is not kind of standard, especially for a, someone who's doing only creating on their own, not with a studio, et cetera. Um, I'm very, I'm really an introvert. Um, so I've really used um, the time that we've all spent at home to my advantage. Mm-hmm. I've sent out a lot of emails. I've talked to a lot of executives. Um, I've talked on the phone to a lot of people and basically I've just screamed up and down and waved my arms and I was like, Hey, Hey, I have this many views. People like me, um, pay attention, (laughs) pay attention to me. Like I can offer, I have, I can offer this. I can do this for the company. Um, please just give me a chance. And I've gotten so many more yeses than I've gotten no's. So I would say that, um, yeah, be bold, you know, if realistically, everyone's going to get no's at some point in time. And when someone tells you no, that's, you know what, that's fine. Maybe you can come back and reapproach it. So I always leave things professional. I say, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for getting back to me. Um, That's okay. I hope to work with you in the future. And then just keep moving. You just got to keep going. And I don't know, just be you. That's a big, that's a really good piece of advice. Because I can't tell you, how many times if I had burned a bridge just because I was unhappy with how things panned out in, in my opinion of it, that it would have hurt me down the line because there's so many people 
that I didn't get a chance to work with or not in the way I wanted to work with them or our schedules didn't align or whatever it was that later in life have been have been major players in how my career has turned out. So that's a great piece of advice because a lot of people, it's easy to burn a bridge when you're angry or when you're, you know, under pressure or you're really discouraged because a lot of this industry is discouraging. There's a, there's, it's hard. It really is. And I definitely, another piece of advice I'd give is just kind of like, remember that this is online. Like if you're upset, that's fine. You can put your phone down and you can respond later. You don't have to do anything immediately ever, ever. Mm -hmm. You can set a timer on your phone. You can put it off until like a different schedule it into your time next week Mm -hmm. and just do something to relax. I think relaxation is a huge part of it. Like I just posted my Instagram story um, my morning routine and every single morning I take a bath like that is essential mm-hmm. to my well-being <laughs> I <the> bath again <laughs> it's essential so I don't skip it ever I sit down in the bath you know I get my bath salts my bath bombs I pour it in the water <laughs> and then I just like just relax it's really important to take time for yourself yeah and it's and especially because I mean COVID aside as creators and even if you're just a mainstream influencer and you happen to be tuning in we typically create in our homes we live in our homes we work in our homes we pursue our relationship in our homes especially in this current state of of pandemic but it can get really easy to isolate even if you don't intend to because it's like you almost because you do work for yourself you're almost like well I could go to dinner with my friends in a post you know post-covid world or I could be at home on cam. So it's like this constant juggling act of I could be making money or I could be human. Oh, I could be making money, you know? And it, it pulls you in that direction of like having no social life, having no balance. And I'm super guilty of that. I have probably the worst work-life balance ever. Um, to the, But I also know better now as I'm getting older, how to deal with that and cope with that. Like the other day I was working in my room, probably 10 hours at this little desk and I have a window behind it. And I saw a little blue bird land. I'm like, I want to go be out there with the bird. Like, I gotta get out of here. How long have I been <laughs> here? Like, I don't think I've gone outside in three days. What is happening? <laughs> like, yes. It gets away from you so easily. And mental health is so huge in our industry. And we don't have enough resources. Like Pineapple, Pineapple Support's a great resource for our space, but we don't have enough resources. And, and that's something I really like to see shift. And I really like to see change. And I think I've had people on the podcast that are definitely going to be a part of that. And that's exciting to me because we need it. We need it so desperately. We do. And that's like, honestly, something that Amberly told me personally mm-hmm. was take a break, like schedule yeah. it in to take a break. And she was like, I don't care if you have to break your laptop, <laughs> yeah. like, throw it outside to give yourself one day to just check out. She was like, you have to come back down to reality. Like you have to do something to ground yourself because it's so easy to like, just keep going because money is motivating. Mm -hmm. Success is motivating. Like everyone wants it. Everyone's like, wants a piece of it. It seems limited. It does. It seems like it seems really limited. So you feel like you have to keep going, but you don't have to do that. Like you can be smart and honestly taking a step back is really important for you and for your content creation Mm -hmm. because then you can actually take your time plan things out in advance, make sure that things are still regularly coming out. But if you keep going, you're going to burn out. And I experienced um, kind of like a mini burnout with camming, which is why I stopped mm-hmm. camming. I was just taking too much time. 
Um, I truly am an introvert, like I mentioned earlier. So it was kind of exhausting yeah. to sit on cam. I loved, I loved interacting with my fans. It's amazing to be mm-hmm. able to sit down and like, you know, hang out with them because that's all I was doing, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just needed time to just like that time that I spent on cam. I usually like sitting down, relaxing now yeah. or editing a video or, you know, coming up with ideas for a podcast. So it's so easy for you to better delegate your time mm-hmm. if you are relaxed and grounded. Yeah. And cam, when you, especially when you're in the cam side of the industry, it's difficult to really buckle down and take any breaks because cam, if you miss a day on cam, it's almost like you miss two weeks on cam because the internet world moves so much faster than real life world. So like when I would get, and I have huge stretches of burnout, I got so burnt out, you know, I'd do like a top 20 run and I get really burned out and disappear for three months. I'm like all that, you know, community I just established is completely gone now. I've lost everyone. No one's logging on to see me. They've all moved on. So cam is hard because you're almost chasing your tail with that. Like if yeah. you don't cam every day or at least five days a week, you kind of lose your community and you're starting from scratch and it's, it's not consistent and it's not sustainable and it also isn't profitable. So it's so difficult. Whereas the other kind of models of like the fan site or the premium snap, it is more predictable. It's a lot more stable. If you have like, if you're not able to assume so much risk, like if you get married, you have kids or you have a mortgage where you can't kind of be like, mm, it's okay. I only made $2 today. I don't know anyone that can go, you know, a, a five day run of $2 earnings and not lose their fucking mind. Cause it happens. It happens exactly. a lot. And that's why I feel like it's so important to have like multiple streams of income. Like you mentioned with like have, being on multiple fan sites because uh, you can't rely on it. And especially with camming, you could have like a whale for like a month and then they could be like, you're a huge, huge tipper. Like they're the only person to be like, mass amounts of money and it could last for a day a week a month two months three months max maybe Mm -hmm. um or they'll I'm sure they'll come back later but you start to become like reliant upon that person and it's really important not to become reliant upon one person or one platform for all of your money because especially if you're in it full-time because you need to make sure that what you're doing is going to let you be successful in all areas of your life Mm -hmm. absolutely that what you said about the one like whale tippers, that's something I don't know if I've ever mentioned that on the pod, but like I've even had the experience where I'm online camming. This is like in my earlier days and I had some guy come in tipping huge amount after huge amount, huge amount. I think he tipped in total $1,500 to me. So 3000 in totals because the website takes half mm-hmm. and he never wrote me back in DMs. He never like no response at all, just crazy tipping. And I never saw him again. And that was it. And I was like, I am so grateful. I was even online that night because that could have been some other girl. And it's not like he knows me. It's not like he even cares who I am. He won't re- respond to me, but he liked my face. Like that was <laughs> so those like that unpredictability. And then also the days you do take off, you're almost beating yourself up because you're like, well, what if this was the day some whale would have came in my room and I would have made a new fan or whatever. It's so hard. Yeah. It's hard on your soul. It is. It was really hard. And that's why those breaks are so necessary is because you know what? everything will be okay (laughs) it's going to work out and if it's not working out that's fine you can just sit down relax like it's necessary and figure out the next steps and just reapproach it from a different mindset because if you're doing something and it's just not working then that's okay you know everyone does things they don't work out you just take a break and figure out your next approach and I feel like maybe that's what I've experienced um like success is because Mm -hmm. if things weren't working I was like okay whatever you know we'll figure something else out because it's 
I try not to take things like they're such a big deal, even if they are a big deal, just because life is life and things aren't always going to work out how you want. And they typically aren't going to go how you planned it, mm-hmm. but you can make it work for you. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think I uh, attribute and I think a lot of successful models who've had long careers, especially because it's not an industry that's easy to have a really long career um, or for mental health reasons, it's not easy to be in this career very long. Yeah. Um, but a big part of what I think I attribute success to for a lot of these top performers is the ability to pivot and adapt when they see changes taking place. Because just because you like something doesn't mean it's going to work or just because you're comfortable with this way of doing something doesn't mean it's going to translate and make you money. And if at the end of the day, obviously, like we mentioned, you're here to make money. So you can't take every, you know, poorly viewed video as a direct attack on you. It's not, it just, something was amiss and it didn't work out. Go film it differently the next time. So it has to be this constant feedback loop of like, okay, that worked. Okay. That didn't work. Test something else, do something else. And you have to pivot and adapt because if you don't, you're just going to keep putting out stuff that isn't working, isn't hitting. And what are you here for? You're not going to make money. So exactly. It's just like any other business because with businesses, you can't just keep putting things out. And if no one's buying it because you're wasting your time and money and you have, you need both. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Especially in this place that, um, I'm a big fan and maybe it's because I come from like a business and marketing background, but I'm a big fan of like testing things and tracking what has been successful. So like even like the whole thing on, on premium snap, like I saw a huge change when I stopped doing things. So filtered, they're not looking for that. They don't want some uh, unattainable thing, especially in the premium um, story space. They want the girl that they think is next door in her bedroom being naughty and isn't a porn star at all. Yeah. And when I make content, for Snapchat, that's very polished and very professionally edited with even transitions, but then I upload it to Snap. It does horrible because they're not looking for that. If they wanted that, they'd go to a tube site and watch professional content. So I think there's something to even be said about knowing what platform you're distributing on and how things appear natively to that platform and what belongs there and what kind of doesn't. Because like I said, the amateur, very unpolished stuff on Snap or on premium Twitter does really well versus a tube site like Pornhub. So- it's about that too. Yes. Like the most viewed videos I'd say even on Pornhub are kind of like our, our Snapchat videos, like with a filter. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if you're on Snapchat with a filter, it does not yeah. do well. So like, and that's why I feel like I really enjoy being on tube sites. I really enjoy being on like X videos, especially I make, I, that's one of my main sites. Oh, really? Um, I haven't heard yeah. or boast about them ever. I don't think. So that's really? really? Yeah. X videos. Want to write that down? Yeah, definitely check out X videos. Um, I really, really enjoy it. I I think in my first eight months, I managed to get in the top fifty cam girls on the site. Um, so I just, I mean, they just really like my content yeah. over there. But I realized um, they really like my interracial taboo videos. So anything where it's like any form of taboo, so like cheating, mm-hmm. um, anything like that they go crazy for <laughs> yeah, yeah. but if I post those videos to Pornhub they don't do as well as they do on next videos so, but on Pornhub my videos where um there's actually a video I think it's five minutes long it took me five minutes to film it and it was in our kitchen mm-hmm. and I was just writing him in the kitchen and it was my it's my highest viewed video 
That's crazy. And and that's almost like, I relate that to TikTok almost, which just sounds probably really weird. But when I put out something on TikTok, I'm really excited about it. It fucking flops like every time. And then when I put out something stupid, I literally have a video where I don't talk, do nothing, sip something and put it down. And it's got like 200,000 views. And I feel like my (laughs) porn does the same thing. Everything I expect will go really, really well flops and everything I think is like stupid. And I almost like am hesitant to put it out, crushes it. It makes, it's the market. You got to let the market decide. Exactly. And that's why you have to like, when the market decides that they like, you just got to put more of that stuff out there. Even if you don't like love it. I mean, don't do it if you hate it because yeah. that's exhausting. <laughs> but definitely like, I mean, you could at least put out like one video like that a month or three months, you know, just set your like calendar and yeah. just put it back out there. And if it does well again, then now you know exactly what they want from you. Yeah. And when the market decides, guys, you have to listen. That's so important. You have to take that feedback coming from these platforms and from your fans, especially in in cater to that because those are the people spending money on you it matters and a lot of performers like it's one thing to make what you want and that that is a what it should be but and your fan base will respond to it because you're happy doing it but when they're like oh I want more videos like that and you do do that content you should put out more videos like that like you have to pay attention to that fan base because they're your feedback and they're going to be the ones spending the money so I feel like that gets overlooked a lot of the time too Definitely. I would also say that it's really important to like, like you said, like the types of videos, but also to find like your actual niche, like the niche market that you're in. So when I first started um, on many vids and even still across like Pornhub too, because it's banned from a lot of sites, Mm -hmm. um, is lactation. I make a lot of lactation videos and on many vids, people go crazy for those, but Mm -hmm. I can't post that to OnlyFans. That's completely banned. It's a banned thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, like, they'll kick you off the platform if they, like, were to find a lactation video on there. Um, Yeah, that's why it's so important to read the terms of service. Yeah, terms of service are important no matter what, for sure. I know Pornhub just removed a bunch of sibling. Was it sibling porn? I I think I've seen some issues of people tweeting about that, of their videos getting taken down on there. I have not had the issue, but I honestly think it's because it's an interracial video so they're kind of aware that we're not siblings yeah that's true in real life. <laughs> there's that's like fair. no form of misunderstanding there. That's hilarious. I didn't even think about that <laughs> yeah that's funny do you and this is something I want to ask because I did have I had Sasha Ray on the podcast um a while back who's obviously a black creator and we talked at length about the way race plays into porn because obviously mm-hmm. white creators are at a huge advantage in privilege and what gets purchased online. Um, and we kind of pivoted and talked around those topics. I did want to ask, do fans approach you a lot with race play stuff? And then how do you feel about that? I feel like I have a really rare experience. I've probably only gotten approached about race, race play one time. Wow. And that was when I first joined um, because I set my boundaries down so hard when I was camming. Um, and this is obviously not me blaming anyone for being approached for race play because that's out of your control. What yeah. people are asking you is completely out of your control. But when I first joined, I acted as if I had been in the industry for a long time. <laughs> I told people that um, just because I'm new to minivans does not mean that I'm new to camming and that they should respect me as a model. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they did. That's awesome. So I was really, really lucky in terms of never no one asking about race play. However, I definitely get comments where Mm -hmm. I am called out of my name and those just get deleted. Yeah. And I move along. Yeah. 
do you respond to stuff like that? Like, do you ever comment back? Do you, are you completely ignore, delete, you don't exist? Yes. So I would say for me, my number one suggestion to other black models is not to engage with racism. If they're being racist, there's no form of conversation to be had. There's nothing that you can say to them. There's, I don't, there's nothing I want to say to them. And even if you're talking like legitimate points, this person's being racist. So I can only assume that the legitimate points don't matter. So it's just a waste of breath and a waste of time. So I just delete it and I pretend like I've never seen it. Um, I will notice that a lot of times that if someone comments something racist, it's to get attention, which Mm -hmm. is also why I delete it because I'll see the same exact username pop up with a compliment later. Yeah, I've seen that. And Not then like- I engage with the compliments. I will. I'll be like, thanks. Uh, you're, tra- <laughs> you're teaching them. You're reinforcing the good behavior, d- discouraging the bad behavior. Exactly. I so say- I just don't don't engage with any of the negative. And then when I see a positive compliment, depending on what they said beforehand, mm-hmm. I will say thank you. If I don't say thank you, then they'll get a like. Yeah. And I'm usually I'm, I'm similar in the, with the negative, negative comments, even on like social too. Yeah. I just, fly right past. If it's something that I don't want anyone else jumping in, I'll delete it. If it's something that I could care less, I just move along. Don't like, don't comment, don't engage. But then there's some that are just like stupid and I'm so enticed to just make fun and like have a nice little clap back moment that I have to like, and so usually it's in a funny context, not so much like rude or mean or anything. But like the other day, this I had someone in my DMs, it was on Twitter and he was like, Hey, I'm such a big fan of you, blah, blah, blah. I think yes, if I was on OnlyFans, I said, no, not currently. Um, and we went back and forth and I'm like, if you stay in my DMs, check back next month. If I join OnlyFans, I'll let you know, whatever. And he's like, okay, well, since you're responding, can I have a feet pick? And I was like, I, we did, no, like, no. So instead of responding with like, uh, bro, this is my job. This is my content. Like, no, I'm not going to send you a free pick, a uh, feet pick. So I just responded with like a Twitter gif of a woman putting her foot in her mouth to like, <laughs> like you put your foot in your mouth. We were doing really good. And then you like yeah. went there. So like, I just sent that instead. And I thought it was hilarious. So like those little moments where I can like turn something dumb or some, a fan oversteps or ask for too much kind of into like a fun moment. I feel like that's a nice way to handle your fan base a little bit. And also Definitely. kind of set those boundaries. Like you, you kind of talked about before. And there's also moments where I just like completely screenshot and post on my story and calm down because I enjoy that too, but only in the right context where it's not going to like incite anything. Um, Definitely. Because there are a lot of fans that will come to your aid that are not friendly. So I think sometimes it's important to like nip it in the bud and delete the comment before any of your actual fans see it and respond because they don't like people being mean to you. They don't. And they're like little like hounds, like we'll still go for it. I'm like, whew. I didn't ask for that. I don't need that. I'm good. Don't I'm like, no, it. don't call Don't insult someone's looks, guys. I yeah. know. I know what they said. That's the worst. And, and then you get so many trolls commenting and saying mean things that don't even have a profile picture. I'm like, you're really hiding. Like, you, I, I can't tell who you are. Woman, man, no clue. Zero followers. Yeah. Zero, followers. Yeah, zero followers. Who are you exactly? If they have zero followers, no, prof, no profile pic, no bio, and like numbers in their name, like a U3457, whatever, I'm like you're just from my high school. Like I know you're from high school. <laughs> <laughs> just assume. That's hilarious. <laughs> I've actually gotten comments on like my tube sites. People are like, I went to high school with this girl. And I was like, <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of the where they're like totally faking it. I'm like, oh, we used to date. I'm like, mm, dated five people. So not one of them. Um, but sure thing, bro. And those are usually the ones I'll screenshot and be like, tell me when. <laughs> Show me pictures. Like, 
Where? That's, yeah. I, I can't wait to catch up with you. <laughs> yeah. There's so much to talk about. Did you know I'm in porn? <laughs> oh, I can't believe you were to come across my videos, all the videos out here. Mine. <laughs> Have you had that experience yet where someone from your real life came across your content? I actually have not had anyone come across my content yet and I'm really surprised maybe they're just on different like sites maybe. <laughs> like I don't know um, but I may- maybe I don't know maybe I feel like I feel like I'm pretty recognizable mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have not had anyone say anything and if they had said anything I just feel like they like I don't know maybe they just I don't think they would think it was approach the yeah I feel like they'd probably think it's really weird because they'd be like, oh, like I saw this video of like porn and I thought it was you. That's why like, people don't ask me outright. They'll go and message my friends like, hey, do you know if Mel does this or is this Mel or I saw her somewhere and my friends would be like, no, it's not her. <laughs> I'll just like go with it. But they'll be like, yeah, you didn't know that? Like, yeah, <laughs> this is old news. I get, I get a lot of that. It, the first times are weird though. Um like and again this might just be me I really struggle with with when it gets very real for me this probably sounds really bad but I struggle with when it crosses that line and it's real for me because like I know what I'm doing I'm completely proud of what I'm doing that's not an issue but like someone sending me like from my high school for example who goes to my messages and says something inappropriate because now mm-hmm. they know what I do that that gets really real because I'm like you knew me you know me in real life you know my personality right. How did you think that was going to go? Like, you know me. So I don't know. And I think that I, that's what I struggle with is like, you know, my personality, you know, how I behave, how I present myself, how I carry myself. So why in the world would you think just because you found out I did that, that you can come at me this way with this approach or this language or this assumption like that. Right. And that's really- why it doesn't make any sense. You know, like you no. said, they know you, who you are as a person, like a true individual. Mm-hmm. They know you it's like 3D, not 2D. Yeah. Yes. And they're treating you as if this 2D image of you online is who they know you as. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) So crazy that you wouldn't approach an actress that way. You know what I mean? Like a mainstream actress. You wouldn't go up to, God, I don't even know that, Lindsay Lohan and then treat her like she's in Mean Girls. Like you just don't do that. Right. Exactly. You're going to say like a Mean Girls quote to her? That (laughs) the approach. I don't get why that doesn't translate. It makes perfect sense in my head, but the rest of the world kind of doesn't. I don't know. I feel like it's just because people don't do it themselves. It's kind of hard. I feel like it is, is really difficult to put yourself in someone else's shoes, especially with, I guess, sexual things, because a lot of people do feel sexually suppressed mm-hmm. or, you know, they're like watching porn and they're like hiding it yeah. or just anything like that. Um, so I feel like people don't know how to like behave sometimes. Sex, Yeah. Yeah. I, that's like, I mean, that goes to like a whole society thing, a whole complete tangent, but I almost feel like people, they're not as easy or as comfortable to talk about sex in their day to day or with their partners or with people that they trust. But for some reason, this girl on the internet who gets naked, she's who you can talk about and who you can approach, even though she's a complete stranger, which the stranger thing makes sense. Cause like a, in therapy setting, a stranger is obviously more easier to talk to, but in a setting where it's like, you can't have this conversation with your girlfriend, but you have no problem expressing me to me that you want that. I don't know why that is because we don't have trust established me and this person who's bringing this, you know, conversation, but you do have trust established with your person. So I don't know right. if it's a fear of judgment or what it might be, 
but I've even had that in my relationships a lot. Like my, you know, partner or whatever will come to me and really struggle to express themselves in terms of sex or sexuality. But, you know, a fan doesn't have that. And I don't know where that disconnect takes place. I'm not sure how that happens. I feel like maybe the disconnect happens because uh, they know you as a 3D person, like I mentioned earlier, because they know who you are like through and through. I feel like there is kind of that layer of judgment. And I feel like that's maybe that's why people flock to models to talk about like their problems with or talk about like more intimate things is because to them, this is just a 2D person. You know, this is someone on the internet um, that you basically can like say anything to. And at worst, you'll get blocked. Yeah. But if it's someone that you know in person, this could potentially in their head at the worst possible thing that could happen, jeopardize the entire relationship. True. And that's a lot to lose. That's a lot to risk for a conversation. That makes perfect sense. I've never looked at it that way. I always felt like, you know, when, and I'm sure a little bit of it is that like shame we are all taught and carry with us, you know, from a young age, just because sexuality isn't something in American culture that's super open or prevalent, but that makes perfect sense because you don't want to jeopardize a relationship over a conversation ever with anything. Exactly. So I definitely, I get both sides of it. I really do because it's really hard to talk to people about things, especially things that are like close to you or, Mm -hmm. you know, just make you feel any form of uncomfortability or that feeling of shame that is so internalized, like in everyone. Yeah. Especially Um, if you have a kink or something a little on the outskirts skirts of what's even acceptable in sex in, in yes. situations and yeah that gets hard and I guess messy really quick yeah um, definitely I would say that I feel like that's probably like a huge part portion of like my fans of lactation mm-hmm. especially because a lot of them like have wives that had kids mm-hmm. and they're like talking about how they're like obsessed with her like when she was lactating and I was like they like she's just lactating more I was like I'm I'm sorry. Like, I feel like you should have told her. Like, yeah. like I'll keep pumping. Like, this is my thing. That's, <laughs> That's like a hard that. thing, man, because you only get that for so long. <laughs> like, exactly. It's limited. It's a limited experience. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if that's part of the appeal, even the limited experience, that it is limited. It's not something you can do forever. I wonder if that's part of it. Probably. Probably. I've seen a lot of um, models talking about wanting to join the lactation. Mm-hmm. Um, porn and they're like well how do I like get started <laughs> well <laughs> well you know there's one way <laughs> this is the most straightforward way or you can like take a lot of supplements and you can spend years pumping and stimulating yourself and maybe one day maybe you'll uh, get a drop <laughs> yeah yeah a drop literally oh, <laughs> Well, this has been incredible because not only have we talked about stuff that I haven't been able to talk about in the pod before, but we also covered stuff I wasn't expecting. Like lactation has never been mentioned on my podcast at all. So this is really good because I don't know if people know that's even a thing. This is great. Um, I do want you to plug all your socials and all your sites before we wrap this up though, so people can go out and find you. Okay. So you can find me on Twitter at Isla Cox with three X's. I'm on Instagram at X Isla Cox. Um, no other Instagrams or Twitter. So if you see anything else out there, that's not me. Uh, my podcast is Orgasmic um, Journey into Amateur Porn. And you can find me on anchor.fm forward slash Isla Cox. And my official website is <laughs> www.islacox with three X's.com. 
Um, also, my OnlyFans is OnlyFans.com forward slash Isla Cox with one X. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And then also write me all of that on Twitter so I can include it in the description so they can click on it. Okay. Really perfect. All right. Thank awesome. you, Isla, so much. This was Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. This was really great. I had so much fun. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll talk to you very soon.